That better? Good. Thank you. The Son of God came into the world to heal hurting people. If you're weighed down, if you're weary, if you're ill, if you're broken, if you're sick, well, Jesus came to heal us. He didn't come to heal us at a distance. To experience his healing, you've got to encounter him. He has to be present in your life for his healing to come. And Jesus is available to you today. He's available to you here in his church. He's available to you through his word. He's available to you by his spirit. And he's got a question for you. And it's a question that he's asked before. I'm going to read today from uh, John chapter 1. I'm sorry, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who, had, who was there uh, had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in, in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who he was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews, that it was Jesus who had made him well. Did you hear the question? It's the question for you, too. Do you want to get well? You might say, well, what kind of a question is that? I mean, who wouldn't want to get well? Well, you might be surprised. You might be surprised by this man, and you might be surprised by yourself. You know, I think the way that we look at it so often is that we we want good things so that we can enjoy life. But Jesus came to give us life so that we could enjoy good things. We have the idea that we, that we want to have good things so that we can enjoy life. 
And, and we're deprived of a lot of good things, aren't we? You're deprived of a lot of good things in your life. Maybe you don't have the house you want, or maybe you don't have the job you want, or maybe you don't have the relationship you want. You don't have the spouse you want or the children that you want. You don't have the friends that you want. This man didn't have the ability that he wanted, and it it kept him from a lot of things. You know, in that society, there was no safety net besides wealthy relatives and their generosity. Uh, you were in a situation like this man, you, you, you begged what you could, you slept where you could. And this man had been in that condition for 38 years. I'm taken by verse 6 when it says that, that Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He learned that he had been in that condition for a long time. I'll tell you that, that, that any understanding of, of who Jesus is, the Son of God and his incarnation, uh, that puts limits upon his deity is a misunderstanding of the incarnation. But any understanding of the incarnate Son of God which does not fully appreciate the limitations of his humanity is a misunderstanding of the incarnation and who Jesus is. And so it's an amazing thing that we're told here that Jesus learned that he'd been in that condition for a long time. And it, and it, and it indicates, it seems to indicate to me that, that Jesus went and he had a conversation with this man. It's probably something very few people did to engage this man in a conversation. But Jesus engages him in a conversation. And, and he learns about him. I think that's important. Um, you know, Jesus is involved with, with people. I mentioned uh, before in the announcements that I that I never want to be a televangelist. And Jesus doesn't heal like televangelists do. Um, you hear about the fellow who he went to a televangelist, um, he got there and the television cameras are running and at the prayer time, he walked up to the televangelist um, who really had no knowledge of this man, no concern for him. And, uh, and he walked up to him and he said, could you pray for my hearing? And the televangelist boxed his ears, shook his head violently, prayed over him in tongues, slapped his face, and said, there, how's your hearing? And the, and the, and the dazed man said, I, I don't know, it's not until next Tuesday. Wow, that should have gotten a better response than that. Thank you. <laughs> but, but what happens with televangelists? They don't know the people that they're praying for, that they're healing. And that's not so with Jesus. He, he knows his sheep by name. He knows the people that he's dealing with. He had a conversation with this man. He learned about him. I think that's not insignificant in what happens. He had interaction with this man. Don't, don't miss that bit of information. I think it's important. 
Jesus engages the man in a conversation to find out about him and his situation. He learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. And then Jesus drops the bomb. Do you want to get well? That question is either dumb or it's cruel. Who wouldn't want to get well? But at the risk of you thinking that I'm either dumb or cruel, let me ask you, do you want to get well? Because the truth of the matter is that not everyone does. Now this man, as the story unfolds, it's evident that he's bought into a superstition. And the superstition uh, we find out from some uh, margin notes in an old manuscript um, was that an angel would come down and stir the water and the first person into the water after it was stirred, that that person would be healed. That was the idea. Um, did this man really believe that? I don't know. But it guaranteed that he would never be healed because of his condition. Uh, even, in the, even in the chance that the superstition was actually true, his condition would keep him from ever being the first one there. Did he want to get well? He certainly had a convenient excuse for never being able to get well if in his heart of hearts he didn't really want to be well. But you might say, yeah, but why wouldn't he want to be well? If he, if he got well, then he could enjoy life, right? You know, it's, it's interesting that we have a steady punctuation. Thankfully, it's just a punctuation. It just happens from time to time. But we have a steady punctuation uh, in the news of those who have everything. They have everything. And they take their own lives. Why? You know, m- musicians... Film stars, um, nationally known, sometimes internationally known personalities. And they, and they have money, and they have the career that they dreamed of. They have people's accolades and, admin, and uh, admiration. Why? Why would they do that? Why would they look at their situation and say, um, you know, of all the options, my best option is to end it all. Why is that? Do you know why it is? It's because having good things does not make us enjoy life. Having good things does not guarantee that you will enjoy good life. Now look, I'm not saying that people don't have things that are hard. I'm not saying that you don't have it hard. I'm not saying that this man's life wasn't hard. What I'm saying is that having good things, having a good situation, does not guarantee that someone will enjoy life. Because if it did, the people with the most possessions, the most money, the most influence, the most success, the most ability, the most admiration, would be the happiest people 
in the world, and frequently they are not. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, Jesus said, Be on guard, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You know, we get so used to reading this story, I think that it doesn't shock us. But I wasn't raised uh, in the church or reading the Bible, and so when I, as a, as, as a young man, uh, read this story for the first time, I was absolutely shocked by this man's response to Jesus. People can take a perverse delight in not being well. And in fact, being not well provides a, con- a convenient excuse for being a miserable person. So it's interesting, you know, as Jesus is uh, talking to this man, he says to him, do you want to get well? By the way, do you, do you know that that's a yes or no question? And the man doesn't answer Jesus yes or no. What he does is he tells him why he can't possibly get well. Well, he said, I've got, I've got no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. Well, I'm trying to get in someone else goes in ahead of me. And then Jesus heals him, just like that. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat and walked. He didn't say to him, be it done to you according to your faith. He just said, pick up your mat and walk. And now all of a sudden, after 38 years, he can walk. How would you expect him uh, to respond? You know, there's other instances of people in the New Testament who are healed by Jesus. How would you expect him to respond? Here's where I was shocked when I read this for the first time. Because I had some expectations as to what was going to happen next. I I thought that what I would see was this man leaping and praising God. I thought that what I would see is this man following Jesus, walking in the train of his disciples wanting to go with Jesus. The Samaritan woman in uh, chapter 4 had said to everybody around her, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did, as all Jesus did was spoke to her. I would have thought that this man would be saying, come and see a man who made me walk after 38 years. Nope. He gets up and he walks, but not after Jesus. And as he walks, he encounters Pharisees. That's uh, usually what John means when he says the Jews. He's not speaking about an ethnicity there, but the religious leaders and probably the Pharisees. He encounters Pharisees who care less that he can walk after 38 years and more that he's carrying a mat in violation of their Sabbath rules. But here's what's really startling to me. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who he was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. That's why I think that verse 6 was important. That indicates to me that Jesus had a conversation with the man and, and yet the man 
apparently couldn't really care less about Jesus. He couldn't even pick him out of a crowd. I don't know who it was. And later Jesus found the man in the temple and he said, listen, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen. That might indicate, I don't know for sure, but it might indicate that the condition that he was in was, was due to some wrongdoing that he had done. Jesus healed him. And the more shocking is his response in verse 15. The man went away and he told the Jews, the Pharisees who had questioned him, that it was Jesus who made him well. Don't really even know who it was. Didn't pay much attention. But now that he's confronted me and I know who he is, let me go out of my way to go to the authorities to rat him out and say that was the one. You see the result of that, by the way. We didn't read it today, but in verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the, the Jews persecuted him. That the result of the man going back is that he's persecuted. It's a profound and penetrating question. Do you want to get well? And from the evasiveness of his answer to the ingratitude after he's healed to the veritable act of hostility toward him after the fact, it seems that the answer was no. Some people take a perverse delight in being miserable because something is deeply wrong in their souls. And here Jesus comes and he takes away the one good excuse that the man had for being miserable. You know, so often we've got this idea that I want good things because if I have good things, I'll be able to enjoy life. Jesus came to give us life so that we could enjoy good things. That's what Jesus said in John 10. We'll see him say, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. John told us at the beginning of his gospel, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That they, we don't have to walk around bumbling around in the darkness anymore. What marks your life? Sometimes it's hard for us to answer that question. Hmm. Our, our hearts are so easily, deceptively wicked, our self-assessments. Sometimes it takes a third person, third party, to tell us that. But you know, you could use as a window your social media accounts to help you answer that question. What are they marked with? Bitterness, complaining, fits of rage, wrangling, provocations, all of those things that the Bible calls the deeds of the flesh. Jesus came to give life 
Have you encountered him? Are you walking in life? See, but you don't understand. My, my job, my spouse, my family, my political situation, my economic situation, my, my lack of breaks and lack of opportunities, I have a right to be miserable. And if God gave you what you wanted, your situation would change. The question is, would you? Would you? This man didn't. We think that if we can have life arranged just the way we want it, if the world could just conform to our will, if everything just went the way we wanted it to, then we could enjoy life. We have good things and we could enjoy life. But the truth is that Jesus came into the world to give us life so that we could enjoy the good things that he gives us every day. Jesus offers to you today life by coming to him, by following him, by submitting yourself to him, by giving your life over to him. Do you want to get well? Let's pray. Father, I don't like this passage because it's, it's convicting and because I see too much of myself in the man that Jesus healed. But Father, by your grace, pour your spirit out upon uh, me and upon all of us. And by your grace, help us in our heart of hearts to want to get well. And to receive the life that Jesus came to give us, the life that is in him. so that we might enjoy the good things that you're giving to us right now and in the age to come to enjoy eternal life. Amen.
Thank you.